How is everybody's quarantine going? I know you're tired of hearing that question, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, it's very much uh, Jack Torrance in The Shining. <laughs> <laughs> I go back and forth. Sometimes I'm like in the complete mania of productivity, and then other times I'm just like, well, I'm going to lay on the couch and watch like 32 episodes of Ninja Turtles now. Yeah, so. there's no in-between. It's one or the other. My, fuck, my voice in my head is real loud. <laughs> not my, not my like fake voice, but the, the me feedback voice and I don't know how to fix that. Can we speak to Zach right now? <laughs> Are we speaking to Zach? Is there a plane landing on someone's house? That's probably that's probably me. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. I'm sorry guys, my ride's here. Uh, <laughs> I guess she was responding to a previous honk if you're gay thing and she's like, "I was mad I couldn't honk." Like Girl, you're honking all the fucking time. Let us honk for once. Yeah, yeah. Your honk is already the loudest. Your honk is assumed, you know? <laughs> we are here to take back the honk. Take back the honk. I'm, I'm with this. All right, well, I'm ready to start the show with that. I'm ready. Michael, you ready? <laughs> I am ready. Excellent. everyone hi it's Haley and it's Zach <laughs> and we're, we're not, not together. together how are you holding up I'm holding up well it, it gets harder and harder to say that at the same time when there's a Skype <laughs> lag in between us <laughs> I'll edit it together it'll be fine do you want to get a couple nice. in and it like just in a couple fun just quick sure we're not together and we're not together that's good can you give it more fun more energy Okay. And we're not together. That's the one. That's it. I love it. It sounds like you did a bunch of cocaine beforehand. Excellent. Excellent. I did do a bunch of cocaine before we started. What else is there to do except cocaine? Nothing. I can get a lot of cleaning done a lot faster. Um. Anyway, Zach, how are you holding up? <laughs> I'm pretty okay. Um. I've got a full quarantine beard going. Um, isolation hasn't totally like, you know, totally set in. I'm not going totally crazy, but I did find out Brant is just a volleyball with a face drawn on. So that was a bummer. <laughs> oh, dang. Yeah. This whole time. Oh, you know what? Now that I think about it. Yeah. 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 That, Brant, that Brant episode we did was just us talking and then kind of pausing for a bit and then us talking again, like to nobody. Yeah, it's weird how we both created the same monologue in our heads for the volleyball. It's like we got the same brain. Yeah. I mean, I think that just goes to show how in sync we are, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Our insanity is syncing up. Right, right. We're, our craziness is like two gears just inter yeah. intertwined. Just really weird. I, I do like the beard, by the way. So Thank back you. For that. Thank you very I mean, much. I'm, I'm really into beards, actually, for a little bit. <laughs> really? <laughs> Maybe yeah. Stevie will get one now. Yeah, maybe she'll grow one out. She's got time. In her quarantine. She's got the time. She's got the time. Ugh. We'll see how it goes. But yeah, all jokes aside, sometimes it, I don't know, does it ever just hit you where you're like, oh yeah, we're in the middle of all this right now, you know? Yeah, it hit me a little bit today, earlier yeah. today, and I was like, like earlier today I'd finished that draft of that thing I was working on, mm -hmm. and I do have another thing to start, but it was almost like with the weight of that off my shoulders, like, then I was like, <gasps> 
Oh, God. <laughs> oh, no. You just got to keep moving and it can't you catch up. You just got to keep moving forward. Keep moving forward. Don't let it catch me. So now I'm going to start that other thing right away. Perfect. It is wild walking out and it being like 28 days later, you know, empty. <laughs> right. I, I take Scout on walks every day. And anytime I see someone out, I'm like dodging them all the time, you know. <laughs> it's true. I'm like crossing the street when I see somebody. It's like it's a weird way to look at your neighbor's. And I saw someone else say this too, but now whenever I watch TV, I'm like, or for our show, like any clips for our show, I'm like, oh my God, they're touching. Oh my God. You know what I mean? You're just so like hyper aware of it. Yeah. I'm so hyper aware of it. And it's so weird because now like that's how our life is going to continue. I feel like we're going to be so hyper aware of for a that bit, shit, yeah. which is probably good. <laughs> probably it it is best, funny. But watching like commercials and stuff like that for airlines <laughs> and they're it's <laughs> just you're not doing anything right now what are you what are you running these still for yeah uh, I have no idea. but it's weird we are kind of in um i don't know weird times it's it feels like being in a movie it does it totally does it's almost like a horror flick um, almost and almost. that's a that's a great segue uh because we are doing what is it third uh iteration of this now that's right. Yeah. Third time. Third time. We've got a, a friend charm. of the show back. Yeah, our friend, uh, writer, director, filmmaker, Micah Verratti, uh, is joining us today to talk horror again. Well, it's, it's always perennial, and I'm uh, glad to be back. Maybe not under these specific horrific circumstances, but I'm always glad to, to, <laughs> to, to hear and see you both. So. <laughs> Thank you. Specific horrific circumstance is such a wonderful phrase. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I think what we want to talk about today is, we've mentioned it before, I think, is the way that horror movies reflect what's going on in society, the things that scare us. Yeah. And everyone's talking about, you know, however long it is, whether it's, I mean, I'm sure people are going to rush to get these movies out, but maybe a year from now or two years from now, we're going to start seeing the horror films that are allegories to kind of what's going on right now. I mean, we're already like anticipating that happening. Well, BBC was uh, putting a call out for scripts about isolation just yesterday. Yeah, I saw. Um, Joe Lidster, who is a brilliant uh, British writer that I know, who does a lot of audio plays with Big Finish, that they do a lot of the expanded like Doctor Who and Torchwood universe things. He also has done some writing for uh, their Dark Shadows series, uh, as well as has done a lot of writing for BBC. He posted about that and was kind of, I don't know if he's helping them kind of, uh, put the word out and, and gather stories. But uh, it seems like BBC is looking for a lot of uh, tales of isolation, uh, but not specifically horror, of course. They, they, they're they sort of looking for people who have found the uplifting in, in uh, their alone time as well, if there is uplift to be found. Uh, and I, I do think it is a time that a lot of art will come out of because uh, art is, is often born out of... Um, interesting moments uh and sometimes interesting is 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 a good thing and sometimes interesting is very much not and uh i I think that we are living in interesting times interesting is a word for it uh (laughs) people do really find a way though a lot of um like drag performers for instance have been doing online drag shows which has been very cool yeah, a lot of the queens that uh, and drag performers that I worked with on Dragula have been really doing quite a number 
of uh, digital performances. I know for a fact that on the night of this recording uh, from season three of Dragula, Madeline Hatter, uh, Eva Destruction, Louisiana Purchase, and maybe one other person who I'm, I'm forgetting off the top of my head are doing a, a live drag show on Instagram this evening. So they're, they're finding a way. And uh, especially in the queer community, I'm always impressed how uh, drag queens do do tend to lead the charge in, the, in these ways. They, uh, they find the way to blaze the, the path and uh, we're just kind of like, cool, let's, let's do that. So they're, they're keeping us together. They're still performing for us. So, uh, you know, thank you, drag queens. Also, if you're listening, tip your, mm-hmm. tip your performers, even if you're do- tipping them digitally. So. Definitely. Yeah. Yes. Well, it's funny. Zach and I have talked about this before, but I think part of the reason that drag queens and other queer people kind of lead the charge when it comes to these new avenues of, of entertainment and showcasing that entertainment is like we as queer people have like been ingrained in the internet, I feel like a lot longer and a lot earlier than a lot of people because we're searching for something we're searching for our community and that's how we get into tumblr and things like that and that's how like i think we all kind of had like a very uh, all the queer people kind of had like a very rich internet life growing up well i think that makes sense honestly because especially if you uh came of age as a queer person around the time that we did when the internet was sort of uh, making its way into our homes, uh, it, it really allowed a place for us to go and and find each other. But I also would say that the internet for a lot of us was sort of digital drag because maybe in your community you were not able to be yourself, but you could go on Tumblr and, and share the things and the aesthetics and, and the... Uh, images and and the, the the words that made you feel like your truest self or you go on the internet and connect with people in chat rooms or twitter or facebook and 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 you use your online persona to be the thing that you were and are in, 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 a, in an authentic way that maybe you didn't feel like you could be in your home or your hometown and so i think that queer people tapped into the power of the internet as both uh, a, a mask, but also a, a freeing agent uh, early on, because for a lot of people, when the internet was was really coming about, it was still very tricky to be an out queer person in many places, and it still is for a lot of people in, in many parts of yeah. the world. Absolutely. Yeah. You can be yourself behind the safety of a keyboard. You know, a lot of people see, like, you know, oh, all these people are behind a keyboard and it's a way to keep themselves um, from getting in trouble. But for a lot of queer people, it's it's behind a keyboard to keep uh, kind of a safe boundary, you know? Yeah. Right. When you think of, like, that anonymous person behind a keyboard, your mind tends to jump to, like, that that troll, that YouTube troll who's, like, yeah. spouting out mean comments. But it, there's also people who are just trying to stay safe, yeah. It's interesting because... You know, I guess we don't know how long this thing is going to last at this point. Um, And I wonder in the next couple of months how much like kind of new media entertainment is going to come out. (laughs) You know, I feel like TikTok being as popular as it is right now. I mean, couldn't happen at a better time for TikTok. Yeah, Vine fucking wishes. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I wonder if we're going to start getting this, uh, you know, like TikTok original content. 
kind of stuff, you know, if we haven't already. I'm sure we will. Yeah. I think that not to go Jeff Goldblum about it, but I, you know, just as life finds a way, art always does too. And uh, we are sort of in the beginning phases of listlessness with this, but people are figuring out how can we, how can we entertain ourselves? How can we entertain each other? And, you know, with the drag queens leading the charge with live drag shows uh, from the comfort of their homes or TikTok, uh, we're going to see, I think, more digital content. I think we're also going to see a lot of homegrown uh, animated content, too, because you there are animators who can do all of that from home and hire voice actors who can record from home. And uh, it's it's scary that we don't have a complete end in sight for this, but I think also uh, humanity and artists always do find a way to persevere uh and and create and there's something hopeful about that even even in the the oddest of circumstances so i'll be interested to see what comes of this art art wise i was uh talking to my uh writing partner aaron who's been on the show and i was just saying like I wonder if any script, depending how long this goes out for, will scripts have to at least acknowledge this? Like, if it's set in current day, you know? Like, can you really do a script where it's not acknowledged at all? Or would it have to be in a fake world where that didn't happen or something set before this like crisis you know it well we're living through a moment too that is going to be history even if in like two months we walk out and the world is more or less the same as it was before this is this is an adaptation uh or we have to adapt rather to to our lives after this and it mm-hmm. will it will be rippled uh through time and how we approach things and there will get to be a point, as I'm sure our grandparents feel about seeing content that has to do with World War II or other historical moments that have happened in the not so distant past that we now treat as uh, fodder for fiction, that we will be the generation that like maybe, maybe you know, many seasons from now, uh, when the 20th doctor travels back in time to the time of the <laughs> coronavirus, Uh, And we find out that, you know, it was aliens the whole time. Yeah. Like this, this was a a Dalek master plan, but no, I mean, we're going to see that in our lifetime in some capacity, Mm -hmm. whether it's like, you know, one person plays, uh, you know, where, where they're, they're telling their story from quarantine or, you know, the inevitable uh, science fiction time travel stories from the future. Uh, Yeah. it's interesting to know that this moment is is going to be a turning point for humanity. Well, any big moment like this, any tragedy, like you said, there are ripple effects. It changes what people are afraid of or what we make the villain in movies. Like after uh, 9-11, for instance, there was an uptick in a lot of um, terrorism being yeah. shown in films. Yeah, and like, it's, it's weird because, you know, when 9-11 happened, it, I, I was still, too, I think, too young to really understand what had happened, you know, really, like the extent of what had happened. And so I didn't really, I know that it drastically changed so much, particularly when it comes to, you know, how airlines work and how the whole process with that works. But I didn't note the difference because I didn't really know the difference back then. Right. Sure. But I, it's just, it'll just be interesting to see, you know, how life changes from here on out. You know, I'd like to hope that we're going to go back to normal, quote unquote normal, um, 
But what does that look like? I don't know yet. Yeah. Well, you know. right as this all was beginning, uh, right around that Friday the 13th, Saturday the 14th, right before, you know, the full kind of lockdown started happening uh, in, in different cities, uh, I was with somebody and they sort of flippantly said, oh, it's like the end of the world. And I said, well, well actually it is. I, it's just maybe not the end of the world in the way you're thinking about it. Because it's the end of the world as we know it, in, in that when we come out the other side of this, things will be different. We will approach things in a different way. We are going to handle like how we interact with each other in a different way. Um, there are perceptions about uh, our communities and our leaders that will change because of this. How we, we deal with uh, interacting with other nations because of like the fear of things coming through the borders will change for a while. So the world that we had right before our governors put us in, you know, stay at home quarantine and the world that will occur when we come out are different. And we can't pretend like the day we walk outside and this is over, it's all going to be the same because it won't. You will think a little more about the interactions that you have. Uh, and, you know, you, you or like when you see a fully stocked grocery store in the future, if and when that happens, you won't take it for granted the way that we often do. You know, there's so the world that was a week ago is over because sometimes the end of the world is not a cataclysmic science fiction movie event. It's a shift in perception that you can never go back to. That's a good point to bring it back to horror. Right. We always talk about how like horror is a metaphor um, so when we do finally see this this horror film or this horror franchise, whatever comes of this, because it'll happen. We all know. <laughs> sure. Um, there's part of me that's wondering, there's got to be something, right, to this idea about how much, even before this all started, we were dependent on social media and how much we spent our time on social media and all that. And, you know, now we're given a chance to have no interaction and it's all social media and how that's kind of driving us insane. Yeah. And um, I don't even know what I'm trying to say about that, but the irony of that is not lost on me is what mm -hmm. I guess I'm saying. Um, and yeah, I wonder if, you know, what that horror film, what lesson that horror film is going to teach us. And yeah, maybe it is just don't take for granted even the smallest gifts we have in terms especially in terms of human interaction yeah well it, it's funny because i always think of that moment as like the prologue or the catalyst into the film like how did we get here how did we get to this world that's so reliant technology well before the movie there was a, a virus that spread around that forced everyone to go into their bunkers and be reliant on on social media we're at a um we're at a turning point so hopefully we don't end up in a sort of beep boop sneep snop future where we're all <laughs> yeah. uh, <laughs> hiding in our bunkers and just like letting our avatars go outside or whatever. Right, exactly. That's that's what's scaring me because there was even a part of me, right, that was like, you know, obviously I've been interacting with friends and friend groups and I'm like, man, I can't wait till this is all over and I can just hug you guys. Yeah. No. And then I was thinking, you know what I mean? And then I was thinking like, wow, um, It'd be so cool to have once this is all over to have a party just to see everybody. But then I'm like, no, 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 we can't do that because even when this is quote unquote over, it's not going to be all the way over. We're not going to eradicate it with a snap of the fingers. You know, it's <laughs> no gonna one's be a, sick it's anymore. Be a we did it. 
Yeah, it's going to yeah. be a trickle. So even then I'm going to have to be like thinking like, okay, when it's when the quarantine's lifted, it's still not the time to throw a party. Like right. we got to let this slowly, it's got to be a slow move back into, you know, where we were, if you want to call it that. But yeah, it's, it's just. Well, I think too, you know, a lot of horror is often based on the, the most primal things that we as humans fear that go all the way back to, you know, the days in the cave when we, we had to like literally be aware of everything lest we be eaten by a saber-toothed tiger or whatever, you know, the, the danger was then. Uh, the fear of the dark is very natural and very, uh, very much primal. And, and this, in, diff- in many ways, taps into a lot of our primal fears because we're dealing with issues of isolation and we're dealing with issues of uh, the unknown. And uh, also just the fact that like we, we are now in a place where because of an unseen agent, we are made to not even fully trust the people that we know and love because what is quarantine if not like, well, you cannot be with people that you care about because those people may unwillingly be the thing that kill you. And so the, right. the these are all elements of, of classic horror that are sort of kind of weaving their way into the public consciousness. And the thing is, is like, yes, we're going to see an uptick in, in pandemic movies, but a lot of horror has kind of led us here anyway, because we we've, we've seen, um, so much of these building blocks already in in the history of horror. Uh, Because it's not just about isolation. It's not just a fear of the other and fear of one another. It's also fear of our own bodies and our bodies betraying us. So this this whole pandemic, we could talk about George Romero and the rise of zombie movies and how zombies are representative of plague. But we could also talk about how David Cronenberg all throughout the 70s made body horror movies about how your you make that discovery that something inside of your body is not right and is 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 destroying you because you came in contact with something you shouldn't have uh, i think that we're going to see a combination of all of those things that are going to prey upon these these fears but also it, if it's done right it will do what horror does best and provide some catharsis from it as well well that's the thing a lot of people are watching movies like contagion and things like that to provide a sense of catharsis. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think outbreak is one of the top 10 like movies viewed on Netflix right now. Yeah. You know, this movie from 1994, you know, which is a good movie, but you know, who's people haven't watched that movie in forever. Right. Well, and I think about, um, I don't know if either of you read the stand by Stephen King, but it's all about kind of how a, a bio uh, a bio weapon or plague decimates all of humanity and, and the, the early chapters of that book are all about how it starts as, as a small sickness that spreads and, and spreads and next thing you know there it goes and to me you'd think that would be the last thing you would want to read while uh, a, 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 a plague is in the news and you're trapped in your house but I see a lot of people wanting to revisit that. And I think that maybe there's, there's a comfort in looking at the most extreme version of a scenario because there's probably psychologically a part of you that is like, well, this is bad, but at least it's not this. 
Uh, yeah. And I don't yeah. know if that's the most mentally healthy way of dealing with it, but like, what is? Like, if it provides anyone solace, then that's what you need to be watching and what you need to be reading. Right. I, I think a lot of people find comfort in that. Like, I think a lot of people look at some of their activities and are like, and then look at someone else who maybe has a, maybe is doing it worse or anything like that. And they're like, well, at least I'm not that bad. You know, if you're 20,000, <laughs> that's true. Like, right. If you're like $20,000 in debt and then, you know, someone is a hundred thousand dollars in debt, you're like, well, at least I'm not a hundred thousand dollars right, right. in debt, you know? Well, and it's interesting too, because since I've been stuck at home, uh, I mean, even though horror movies are like my whole brand and that's what, what a lot of the world knows me for, of course, it's not like the only thing I, I watch. Uh, but with the exception of uh, Ninja Turtles cartoons, which I've been watching with Kamai Coffee in the morning, I've almost been exclusively <laughs> watching horror movies since uh, I've been stuck in my house. Because for me, it is a comfort food. And I do, uh, I do find relaxation in them. And I've always said it's because it's very, uh, they're powerful. Horror movies are powerful in, in providing release, especially ones that we, we really engage with because for 90 minutes or two hours, you can invest your tension and your anxiety or whatever into the events of the screen. And by the end of the movie, you know you're going to get a release somehow. You know, whether the, our, the final girl triumphs over the slasher or even if the villain wins there's like there is a, there's a finality to it that when the credits roll you at least were able to kind of put it away for a bit and it it, it helps they make me happy and i so i think that maybe a lot of people are investing for that very reason can you think of any uh recent movies that have had like just like a really good release or catharsis for you a really good release or catharsis for me. Uh, I'm trying to think what the most uh, recent ones that I've seen. Uh, maybe because I was just talking about it today, but even though it's a couple years old, uh, there was a movie that was a Netflix original called The Babysitter with Samara Weaving. Yes. Uh, where by the end, Ooh. like when everything is said and done and all the chaos of the night is over, it's sort of just like, you feel like you've, you've been part of a party. And where Samara Weaving is concerned, Ready or Not, which came out this last year, where she- I was she, about to say that. That yes. has like the best release at the end. And her final beat before credits is just so perfect. Uh, so it's yeah, both so of those. On, honestly, The Hunt, uh, Blumhouse's new movie, I thought was great because Hilary Swank versus, uh, Betty Gilpin, uh, I don't want to have any spoilers, but you can watch it now on Amazon Prime. Those two are out of control, and it's just like the, a battle uh, a battle royale. Even uh, Lee Winnell's Invisible Man, I thought, had a lot of uh, release at the end, because the whole movie is about a woman who is abused and gaslit and, and terrorized by this guy. And, uh, you know, I, I, again, no spoilers, but they, they make sure that you leave the audience feeling satisfied. So, I feel like... It, last year, a lot of films like, and I'm going to include The Hunt in that because it was supposed to come out last year, yeah. um, but and, and, and Invisible Man too. But I feel like we had a lot of films about gaslighting. We had that in Midsummer as well. But then we had a lot of other films about the haves and haves nots with Ready or Not and Us and The Hunt. That w those were two really big topics that we sunk our teeth into. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it makes sense. You know, it's such a at that time such a reflection of society, which is why it's going to be so fucking cool and interesting to see what happens i mean like for example what's gonna be the the quote-unquote toilet paper 
<laughs> in this <laughs> horror movie that's going to come out? You know, what what's going to be the fucking commodity right. that everyone loses their goddamn shit over, you know? <laughs> And kills their neighbor over, you know? We'll see. Well, did you ever see, there's an Australian movie that Sam Neill and I think Ethan Hawke is in called Daybreakers, where it essentially, in a way, speaks to this, where 90% of society has become vampires, and the commodity is actually human blood, because it's so few and far between, that, like, the the vampires are, like, fighting in the streets to get it. And uh, it's strange because that movie using a, a, a modern monster or a classic monster rather, uh, sort of spoke to an issue before it was even an issue. And the truth is like the purge, the purge presupposed a lot of what we're dealing with right now. In fact, yeah. the California lockdown happened on the same day that the purge happened in the first movie. <laughs> That's Whoa! incredible. Yeah. March 21st, 2020. Revisit the movie. You're kidding. Nope. That's insane. Did you see that uh, people think Tangled uh, presupposed uh, this whole situation? Oh, my gosh. Mandy Moore, I did what are you doing, that. girl? Well, because she's, you know, she's stuck in that tower, like, doing things all by herself for in isolation for her whole life. And <laughs> the kingdom is called Corona. <laughs> what are the odds? Yeah, in what way did Sim- you know Simpsons always predicted predicts stuff? I wonder like what Simpsons episode relates to this because there's got to be one. Oh, I'm sure there's yeah. one. Matt Groening, yeah. the prophet of our times. <laughs> I would love to because I feel like I don't know about you guys, but I'm a little coroned out. Uh, yeah. I just feel yeah. like it's like it's soaking up so much of my life right now. I'd love to talk about other instances in history and how they um, informed horror at the time. Yeah. Well, I mean, you can go all, all throughout. Uh, we, I, I always say that, you know, good horror is always a reflection of the moment that's happening culturally. And it, it tends to be true. Uh, even before cinema, you know, when uh, Mary Shelley wrote Frankenstein, uh, it was very uh, much a popular discussion at the time with the Church of England, this kind of raging debate of God versus science. Like, why would you trust science when we already know that God has created everything X, Y, Z? And Frankenstein is very much about a man who uses science to play God and the ramifications of that. Uh, We can look at... um, George Romero, of course, you know, speaking of a pandemic movie, the original Night of the Living Dead has often been cited as an example of uh, a a civil rights parallel with the lead character being black and uh, how um, the the crowd kind of fights against him and the ultimate kind of grisly uh, end that the authorities take it to. And George Romero was, was always very prescient about how he used zombies and zombie stories because in Dawn of the Dead, it takes place in a, a mall and it's very much a critique on capitalist consumer culture. Uh, Day of the Dead takes place at a military bunker and he uses it very much to as an indictment for the military industrial complex. Uh, Godzilla is literally uh, a result of uh, the b- dropping of the bombs in Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Uh, it, it, the creation of Godzilla has been directly cited uh, by his Japanese creators, her Japanese creators. Um, it depends. Depends what era of Godzilla uh, they. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. But uh, the, you know, they, Godzilla has been cited as a uh, as as a direct response to to the aggressive atomic power of of America, 
and and what a, what a monstrous move that was. And Haley, even you mentioned uh, the world of post 9-11. When people complain about torture porn and the era of, of uh, gruesome horror, that really saw a rise after 9-11 because in the news it was very prevalent, uh, the discussion of torture at Abu Ghraib in Iraq and the whole Bush administration situation. Uh, we saw the rise of movies like Hostel and Saw, and those those were sort of born right out of that moment. So history frequently, frequently is a reflection of our horror. Um, you know, for queer people, uh, the there there is a, there is an argument to be made that in the '80s, when the the whole uh, "don't have sex or you die" rule was instituted in slasher movies, that runs parallel to the Reagan administration and the rise of AIDS. So. There is so much power in this genre because you can use the lens of the fantastic to address things that the mainstream is otherwise uh, not willing to talk about or too afraid to confront. So, I also find when you're writing a straight drama, at least when I try to, it's so much harder to not be like bashing the audience over the head with the message you're trying to tell, but when you're doing it through the lens of horror or sci-fi or, or comedy, you can, you can subvert that. You can just kind of cut through all that and just say what you're trying to say. Do you think you can have a successful horror film without kind of having like that background metaphorical structure underneath? You know what I mean? Cause I think a lot of people see horror as like, it's a fun romp. I feel like a lot of people watch horror and either don't, understand the metaphor or don't even know there's a metaphor happening you know or do you think that we you know kind of ascribe metaphors to these things sometimes that maybe don't even have them i'm sure we do i think that sometimes we look for meaning where where there's none but like artists who who kind of know the score also realize that once you create something and give it to the world it doesn't belong to you anymore so once once I'm like, if I make something and i'm just like it's a zombie and you're like this zombie represents uh, you know, f- consumer fascism to me, if that's what you took from it, then that's what it means, like, to you. Like, I mean, it, mm-hmm. it shouldn't matter what it means to me. But, you know, is is horror, can horror be made without this intent? Sure. I mean, I, I can think of many examples from the, like, USA Up All Night era of the 80s where it was just kind of, like, schlocky entertainment in the best of ways, like movies like Chopping Mall or... Hollywood chainsaw hookers or and those were <laughs> those were fun I am often reminded uh, I've been very fortunate in my career as a, as a filmmaker and writer that I've got to work with a lot of people who um, when I was young I watched their movies and and uh, really aspired to do the things that they did and work uh, with them and some of the people whose movies I grew up loving I ended up working for and working with and uh, Lloyd Kaufman, who is the creator of the Toxic Avenger and uh, one of, of the, the two presidents of Troma Entertainment, the world's longest running independent film studio. Uh, Lloyd uh, really was was someone who taught me a lot and took me uh, and, and, and showed me a lot of things and t- kind of gave me insight on how to make movies, including like not to do what he does sometimes. You know, his, his lessons were very strong. But one of the things that Lloyd had said to me that I think about all the time is whether you're making a movie about a mutant monster hero in New Jersey 
or killer chickens uh, at a fast food restaurant in Buffalo. These are both movies that Lloyd made, Toxic Avenger, <laughs> Poultry Geist. Uh, he'll, he'll say, but what's it about? What's your movie about? What's the meaning? What's, what's the meaning of this? If, if there's no message, it's always, that was it. He was always like, what's the message? Poultry Geist, the, the, the killer chicken movie, was all about animal rights and in fact ended up on one of MSNBC's lists of top 10 civil rights movies of all time and all the other movies were about people's civil rights that movie was about animal rights and he made that movie because he's a longtime vegetarian and he's like let's think about this and it's an absurd movie about killer chickens and like zombies at a a KFC like diner but that's what it was about Mm -hmm. Toxic Avenger was all about toxic dumping in the rivers of New Jersey and how it was destroying the state and how he had to create a monster hero out of the toxic waste to save the state of New Jersey from pollution. And when you watch these movies that feel like late night fodder that you would smoke weed to and just laugh at because they seem absurd, when you really think about them, he he was trying to say something. And, and whether the message is successful or not, and, and I, I think they were, and other people have, would as well, it, it comes down to the fact that if you make a movie with a message, that also means the movie has a heart. And if the movie has a heart, it will last. And so, yeah, there's there's mindless entertainment, and we all love mindless entertainment because there's, there's a whole world of streaming uh, shows and services and things out there that we will consume and watch and forget the, the very next day. But it's the things that, like, whether it's Texas Chainsaw taking on the kind of Vietnam social climate or, uh, you know, the Babadook. Everybody forgets that that's really a movie about clinical depression and anxiety and how, you know, once you have that, you can't get rid of that. So it's something you learn to live with. That's a powerful and beautiful story that is using a monster to relay it. Uh, For me, what's the message? Thanks, Lloyd, because that's what I think about every day when I write something. What is the message? What am I trying to say? And I think that we would all do good, even in our most mindless entertainment, to ask ourselves that question. And sometimes it's okay if there's not a message, but I think the things that stick with you always have it. Right. Oh, I have a question. I don't know if you'd have an answer for it, but I I was thinking about this. So do you remember in 2010 there was a bunch of movies that were all – about people being stuck in smaller and smaller places like there was devil <laughs> like, yeah <laughs> there was devil in the elevator there was buried where ryan reynolds was in a coffin and then there was like 127 hours that same year and then i think there was a movie where, where like josh peck was stuck in like a phone box or something but they all came out in like the same year and, and is there any why was that is there any reason why uh, I don't know about specifically that, but isn't it funny that, you know, those are uh, stories about isolation. I think it would be really interesting to revisit them now while we're st- stuck inside of our apartments. Yeah. yeah. What was going on back then? The only thing I can think of that was close to happening is the housing crisis and crisis in 2008. But I don't think that I don't think that would spark horror necessarily. Mm. I don't know. Who's to say? I mean, yeah, that's a good question. I don't actually know on that one. We can do some research and circle back on that. <laughs> someone's got a theory on the internet. I'm sure someone's thought about it. I sure yeah. hope so. Is it time for a game, Zach? Oh, yeah. I think it might be time think? for a game. Unless there's anything you'd like to add, Michael, before we go and do it. No, I think that you've heard me pontificate enough on these subjects. So, 
Well, we love it. You always have a lot of great things to say. Well, thank I always you. feel very inspired after. Well, thank you kindly. So speaking of uh, kind of living a horror right now. Sure. Yeah. I've got a game prepared for us. Okay. Um, and here's what I've got prepared. Since we are kind of living in this moment right now that uh, horror movies are going to be someday written about, some of the bad guys decided to take a break and take it easy on us. We've got it too hard. The horror, Even the horror villains are like, you know what? We need to pitch in. <laughs> we need to stop stabbing people. So I'm going to list uh, some classic horror villains. Okay. Okay. And we are going to figure out ways in which they can use their powers for good to help society. Okay. I love it. You know, maybe use use their powers as an advantage. All right. Rather than killing teenagers. Rather than killing teenagers, you know, they're going to help us out. All right. All right. All right. Okay. First up, um, let's talk uh, Freddy Krueger. I think that Freddy is, is I don't want to say an obvious answer, but Freddy is, uh, has control of dreams. So maybe in our, our sad, sorrowful, waking life, when we go to sleep, Freddy can do us a solid and make sure instead of nightmares, we have good dreams. Oh, that's so nice. I love that. He could also take you through like dream therapy, you know? Oh, wow. Make you enact things. Or, like maybe you're like, oh, I'm not sure how this is going to turn out in waking life. Like, it's like, oh, well, hey, let's run a simulation now. I'll, I'll show you how <laughs> that, that job interview is going to go. That's great. Or yeah, like maybe because, uh, oh man, I'm really bummed out. I can't be, um, you know, with my lover on the top of a mountain right now. He's like, you know what? Got you covered. There you go. Boom. We're going there in dream world. We're going, We're going there. to dream world. I love that. I love Where that. you can be outdoors. You can be close to people. You can see be people you haven't seen in a while. Yeah. You could be in an orgy. I love that. See all the friends you want to see. It's great. Thank you, Frederick J. Kruger. I appreciate that. <laughs> Thanks, Freddie. Okay, that was a good one. Easy one. Next up, we've got uh, Hannibal Lecter. Hannibal Lecter. Uh, honestly, maybe he could do cooking tutorials to use what you have around the house. That's what he should be doing. Absolutely. I was yeah. going to say the same thing. He should have a TikTok channel where he does <laughs> cooking tutorials. Yeah, it'd just be like, so you have uh, a, 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 a thing of bay leaves, some pasta sauce, and, and your cat. Um, no, no, no Hannibal, no. <laughs> no Hannibal. That's the thing. He's resourceful, right? Yeah. So, you know, if you're, you're down to your last rations, you know, you're like, all I've got in my fridge is this one cheese stick. Uh, I've got a tortilla left and like, you know, a couple of noodles. But he'll and make it fancy. Like, he'll make it gourmet. Although I will yeah. say he's this. Make it gourmet. I think it's real easy to go to the food route with Hannibal because of course he was a gourmand, but Hannibal was also an estate. And I think that Hannibal Lecter would, would know being a, a connoisseur of, of art as well. He'd say, okay, so you're in your feelings. You should go and listen to this classical movement tonight. Like download this orchestra's. So I think that Hannibal as like an art connoisseur would, would kind of point us towards you're feeling stressed out. You should check out Rachmaninoff's blah, 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 blah. So he's like the, the arts and cultures guy in Queer Eye. In, yes. in like the whole, whatever the <laughs> horror version of Queer Eye is, we'd have Hannibal Lecter as arts and culture. Absolutely. In Kill Eye. And uh, the show's called Kill Eye. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just five. Uh, mur Who would be in Kill Eye? I mean, obviously Hannibal would be your arts and culture guy. Well, c should Freddy um, Krueger do hair <laughs> like J JVN? <laughs> <laughs> like Edward Scissorhands? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I love it. 
Okay. Um, how about Ghostface? Oh. Oh, well, I mean, Ghostface would be the person who we get uh, movie recommendations from, right? Obviously. Instead of like, <laughs> what's your favorite mo- scary movie? It'd be like, here's your favorite movie of the night. I'm going to give you that recommendation. So. I have a pitch. <laughs> I have a uh-huh. pitch. So, you know, spoiler alert, but Ghostface in the original is two people pretending to be one person, right? Right. So maybe yep. they could make a service like if, hey, if you don't want to take that test, I'll do it for you. You know, I'll pretend <laughs> to be you. All yeah. Right. Yeah. Or like, you know how you have to video conference into your work? Yes. I'll do that for you. I'll do that. I'll, I'll do say the hard the video stuff. Exactly. Isn't working. I'll say, oh, the, my video isn't working. I think that's what Michael's doing right now, actually, since we can't see it. <laughs> it's someone else. There's two people who pose as Michael Verratti. Yeah. It's, and we've got the other one. It's Emma, it's Emma Roberts and, uh, oh, no. no. <laughs> and Weird Al Yankovic, because, of course, <laughs> I knew it. We knew it. I don't know why, but I knew it. Yeah. Yeah, but I love the idea of somebody who's professionally allowing you to be in two places at once. Perfection. <laughs> I love that. Love that. Okay, next one. I actually have an idea for this one. Okay. Um, next up is uh, Pinhead. Oh, well, I want to hear your idea, Haley, since you led, led with that. Yeah, I'd love to hear that. <laughs> okay, and I know it technically has nothing to do with his character, but just solely because of who he is um i think pinhead could help sew some medical masks for people i could see it who need it i think he'd also be great helping like grandma's knit scarves and blankets i mean oh yeah they could just weave things (laughs) on his head (laughs) also i don't know if you've all seen but there seems to be an uptick of people doing jigsaw puzzles and puzzles right now at home and Pinhead's a puzzle guy, so it's sort of like maybe That's maybe true. he's just like here's here's some stuff for you to work on, um, and you know when you finish this Thomas Kincaid puzzle, it will open a portal uh, to hell, and at least there's <laughs> we no- will have to work on that. Yeah, yeah. Hey, but- there is the thing is there is toilet paper in hell, so. Yeah. That's a good thing. Also, there's always one piece missing anyway, so I wouldn't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry fine. about it. Your yeah. puzzle Probably, is incomplete. <laughs> <laughs> you're probably going to be fine. Probably. Uh. <laughs> you just trick Pinhead into being a friend with you. Just, <laughs> just don't finish the puzzles. What would be Aww. great is if you tricked Pinhead into playing board games with you that were not in his usual milieu, where he's just like, I do not understand. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) What is this rat trap? (laughs) It was Miss Scarlet in the library. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Dumb. (laughs) He'd be someone you could play games with. That sounds nice. Or someone who will help you finish. A buddy who will help you finish a puzzle because puzzles can get overwhelming. True. Um, Okay, speaking of puzzles... Next up, we have Jigsaw. Jigsaw, uh, yeah. Oh, well, I mean... He's a planner. He is a planner. And he knows how to bring all sorts of different people together, you know? Right. He's good at that. Right. Jigsaw's definitely, like, so whereas Pinhead is, like, into personal games, i.e., like, you would have a buddy to play games with, Jigsaw's definitely that person that's like, let's all play whatever on Zoom, like let's play. Let's have a video game party on Zoom. He would be that person. Let's bring people. He's got Jackbox TV going. 
Yeah, and you, right. and you know that he's also a pain in the ass about it, too. Like, <laughs> Yeah, he's like, we were supposed to start playing five minutes ago. We said two. You know, I don't care about the time difference. We said 2 p.m. We were going to play Catan. Ugh. God. God. But, you know, he, he is the person who will never make you feel lonely uh, during this time. You know, he'd be like, hey, you know, kind of video conferencing in. Being like, want to play a game? It would be you know? annoying at times. Yes. It would be. He'd keep, yeah. like, coming in and be like, hey, did you get that Roll20 account set up yet? Like, no, sorry, Jigsaw. I mean, I've been, like, really busy. <laughs> like, He's like, oh. Yeah. So it, I guess it turns out even if he isn't making you, like, sit in a bear trap, Jigsaw's still a pain in the ass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's the person He's that right. reads the entire instruction book before you can start the game. <laughs> oh yes absolutely but you know what you kind of do need that person in that friend group yeah you know what i mean question do you think jigsaw's the type of person that if you know if you're playing a game he's played you have not played before is he going to teach you strategy as you go or is he going to use that against you so that he can win oh use it against you absolutely yeah, yeah. he yeah. can he can yeah. be so nice in this scenario i know He's also so excited to play. You're going to be like, hey, can you teach me some of the rules? And he'll be like, no, no, no. You're going to learn as you go. You're going to learn as you go. And you'll be like, okay, I, I guess. But then he'll yeah. act like, "What? you didn't know that? Blue means like blah, blah, blah. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah. You didn't you tell me, Jigsaw. You didn't tell me. Yeah, he is a pain in the ass. <laughs> he is a pain in the ass. Well, Zach, here's a D&D question. I don't play, but I feel like you would have an answer. Between sure. our Between our two gaming ghouls, Who's a better dungeon master, Jigsaw or Pinhead? Oh, Pinhead. I think Pinhead. And why? I think, like, mm. pin, Pinhead's really about the experience and making sure you feel everything, even if it is painful for your character. But, like, Jigsaw, I think, would be really too crunchy about all the rules and stuff. Gotcha. You know? He'd be really, he'd be really into the puzzles he's built, and like nothing else, no other aspect of the game. Here's one thing. Here's my bid for Jigsaw. I'm not saying he would be the better okay. dungeon master, but I will say you know he's prepped for everything. That's true. True. For every event. So he's like ready to go for whatever move you make. He's like, aha. But he would be kind of a pain in the ass about it. I think he'd be a the pain thing in is the he, ass. He'd be great. Just a pain in the ass for every situation. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next up, we've got Chucky. Oh, um, Chucky. I think Chucky is also probably in the category of uh, entertainment. His whole, like, hey, you know, hey, want to play? I'm your friend till the end. In an apocalyptic scenario, who else do you need? Honestly, he's your friend (laughs) to the end. He's pretty quick with one-liners, too. Yeah. Right. I was thinking maybe he'd have, like, either an Instagram, like, live thing. uh, (laughs) Yeah. Or would, like where he's just like roasting people or something like that as entertainment, you know, still a little like cheeky and chucky, but yeah. it's like people watch it for fun, you know. Yeah, he's entertaining people. He he and Tiffany could probably do a do a live live roast. Oh yeah, um, they could have like one of those like couples channels where they like prank each other or something. Yes, that'd be good. <laughs> or I would watch something where the two of them just tear into bad television or something. The two of them. Yeah. Man, Chucky That's has good. some thoughts on the new season of Westworld because he too. 
Chucky's like, I'm also an animated doll and I have opinions. <laughs> He'd be like, so unrealistic. <laughs> um, or, you know, I don't know if you heard, but I'm pretty sure they're making like Pornhub. Uh, por- aren't they making like premium Pornhub free? Yeah. For the next. So I think maybe even Chucky and uh, Tiffany would do some. Uh, Are they going to have an OnlyFans? Some- they're an only thing. They'd well, be that couple. We yeah. know that we know that Chucky and Tiffany uh, are down to get down. Like exactly, they're, they're like the they're the horniest horror couple for sure. Totally. At the end of the day, it's still entertainment. Yeah. Right. Maybe they would just be you know uh, baiting material. You know. <laughs> yeah. That's their contribution to society. Oh my god! <laughs> just FYI, I hope that uh, Glenn, uh, Chucky, and Tiffany's. Uh, progeny is not listening to this (laughs) (laughs) gross (laughs) okay last one classic classic uh jason voorhees oh i mean jason voorhees is legit the king of social isolation uh and social distancing (laughs) um jason jason is doing his best by leaving you alone (laughs) <laughs> that's really hey. probably the n- nicest thing he could do yeah he, you know what and in times like this it's much needed and much appreciated i mean legit the whole like kind of through line of crystal the camp crystal lake story is that like if you don't step into jason's territory he doesn't really bother you so it's sort of like jason's like don't come to my house and i won't come to yours social distance right. icon <laughs> <laughs> social distance icon Jason Voorhees that's probably that's the great. truest thing that's been said this whole episode <laughs> okay well that's all I had for y'all thanks so that was much great. those were great answers I loved it so hopefully now that we are in our own personal hells all these horror villains were kind of will kind of do their part um, and they'll have their heyday another time Okay, now comes to the point of the show where we turn the reins over to you, Michael, and you get to ask us one question, judgment-free, anything you want, and we will answer to the best of our abilities. We're not professionals. We're not professionals. I know you've already done this twice, so I don't know if you've uh, thought of this, but uh, go ahead. Well, it's funny because uh, every time we're together, uh, but not together, as you will. um, (laughs) Quarantined, even. I... Yeah, I will ask you usually a monster-related question. And because of the quarantine situation, my original plan was to ask you what monster you would prefer to be quarantined with. But because of your game, Haley, you we pretty much answered that. So for once, <laughs> rather than look at the horror antagonists, what horror hero would you want in to be in quarantine with who could help you through end times? Yes. Yes, this is good. I love that. Okay, so here's the thing. You know, Michael, I know you know that my first instinct... I know who your answer is, yeah. Well, but here's the thing, is to say Buffy, obviously. But Buffy's skills don't really, you know, help me out in a quarantine situation. Okay. So this is a toughie. Maybe I would go uh, Willow. Willow's a good choice. You know, I hate to always be on the Buffy thing, but I'll say Willow for now, just because... Willow's got magic, so that can help me out a lot. Right. So we'll go with that, especially because I'm I'm planning to do a deep clean of my house, and it'd be cool if she can just snap her fingers and that's done, and I don't even have to worry that about it. That is a really good so point. So you're, 
you're gonna have the most powerful witch in pop culture history just mary poppins your house okay (laughs) (laughs) hey we're gonna be here for a long time so you know we can do a lot of stuff but uh, that'll be one of the things yes (laughs) hear hear me out Haley. she was able to take millennia of magic that only required one slayer per generation and break that (laughs) so every every person was supposed to be a slayer would be a slayer why wouldn't you just have Willow be like, yo, could we use magic to wipe out this to virus? To kill this coronavirus. No, no, You're no, right. no. Okay, I got okay, wait, to wait. Do. Yes, but she's got to clean my house first. <laughs> <laughs> and then we can do that. <laughs> all right, all right. Fair, fair, fair. Wow. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I think I'm going to say Willow from Buffy. Obsessed. No, I get it. That's good. That's a good choice, honestly. What about you, Zach? Damn. Damn. That's a good, that's a really good answer. Um, let's see. I think, I think I might pick the bride from Ready or Not. Okay. Nice. Because I think good she's selection. resourceful. She's fun. She likes to play games. I love games. Yeah. And uh, she's just, yeah, she's just a cool, cool chick. I feel like we'd have a good time. At the end of the day. She'd be fun to hang out with. And if people like started coming, like if it got to the point it where it was nasty. like people started coming for you. Yes. Yeah. And people started trying to like loot you, yes. like loot your house. She she could definitely. Oh, she'd be a powerhouse at the grocery store. True. Y- you're right. You're right. Yeah. I think we'd be able to come up with she'd a whole like, game you plan get the cart. to get in and out as quickly as possible. Yes. Agreed. I love that. I think yours is be- the better answer, though. Well, it's funny because your selection of the bride from Ready or Not uh, is sort of similar to who I would pick, uh, because my selection is sort of the, the uh, kind of foremother of that character. And it would be Erin from Your Next because she was a survivalist. I was. And, that was my first. Mm. That was my first thought, honestly. Yeah, and uh, I I really think that like you know her whole thing is is surviving in impossible scenarios. And uh, she also seems cool. Like, who doesn't want to hang out with a, a badass Aussie lady? So um, I'm cool with that. I mean, I guess Samara Weaving is also a badass Aussie lady, just in uh, Ready or Not, she's she's not supposed to be Australian. So. Right. <laughs> Aussies know how to have a good time, too. I had also thought about Chris Hemsworth from Cabs in the Woods. Yeah, nice. I, I love Cabin in the Woods. However, I mean, no spoilers. I, I, the way Cabin in the Woods ends, I don't know if that's going to... If that speaks very well to uh, your survival ratio there. Um, That's true. But I kind of like the idea of having a hottie just lounging around my house. (laughs) I was just saying, he looks really good in that movie. He looks so good in that movie. (laughs) (laughs) Um, How, how, like, this is a non sequitur you could probably cut out, Zach, but how uh, the initiative is Cabin in the Woods? Oh, uh like Cabin in the Woods is like, Oh, this is season four of Buffy. <laughs> no, it's a hundred percent the initiative. If not the initiative, initiative is Wolfram and Hart from Angels. So true. Yeah. So anyway, just a non sequitur. <laughs> I think they're all good choices, though. They've all have their merits. Yeah, I absolutely. Agree. Yeah. And mine's a little op, to be honest. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you're nothing if not on brand, Haley, and we love you for that. <laughs> I appreciate Thank it, you. honestly. Thank you. Uh, Michael, thank you so much for coming on again. This was so fun. 
Uh, I am thrilled to be here. It's always a joy to hang out with both of you and talk to both of you and uh, just cause some trouble, generally speaking. So. <laughs> yeah. No, we really do appreciate it, and we love you a lot. So thanks again for coming on and for accommodating during this time when we're when we're really not together. Yeah. Uh, well, I appreciate it too, and I love you both, and thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, is there anything you're you. working on now you want to talk about? Or just plug? Well, I mean, I do have a few. I, I did have a TV movie that actually finished shooting right before uh, all of this. So uh, at least I have one movie in the can that will be coming out this year. Uh, and I, it's a Christmas story. I'll, I'll keep you all updated as that goes on. I have written a few new thrillers for Lifetime um, pending. Uh, and I do, have, I do have a feature film of my own that I will be announcing later this year. Hopefully, fingers crossed, because gosh knows we don't know what's happening. Uh, but... <laughs> Uh, a project that I'm currently in the midst of production, I am actually uh, directing a script that Zach not only co-wrote with his friend Molly, uh, Molly Cohen, but is also starring in. And uh, we're going to probably be sharing more of that with you soon. Um, and for those eagle-eyed uh, eagle Twitter users, you might have noticed uh, stirring over at the Dead for Filth Twitter feed. Uh, and I, I guess that maybe you should keep your ears <gasps> Op- open here in the Ooh. dark so. <laughs> well that's all exciting yeah and where can people uh look for updates on on all that stuff uh the best place for my film updates is to follow me uh on twitter at michael Verati. that's v as in victor a r r a t i that it, twitter is always the best social media you can follow me on instagram too do not add me on facebook because i probably will not see it uh so twitter instagram michael Verati. Uh, Dead for Filth is also on uh, Twitter at Dead for Filth, as well as wherever podcasts are found. Um, and yeah, I'm just out there causing trouble. So find me. Beautiful. We love it. And Haley, where can we be found? Thanks for asking. Uh, we can be found on Instagram at Not Together Podcast, on Twitter at Not Together Cast. Shoot us an email at nottogetherpodcast at gmail.com. And we are on Facebook, and you can follow us on there. <laughs> Just look for We're Not Together, and we should pop up there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, also, let us know which horror figures you'd want to be quarantined with. I'd love to hear that. <laughs> yeah, let us know. Um, thanks so much again to our guest, Michael Verratti. Uh, please follow him on all those things. Uh, he makes incredible stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'm really looking forward to the project that uh, him and Zach are working on. So look out for that. It's going to be so gross. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you all for continuing to listen. Once again, I'm Haley. And I'm Zach. And, and we're, we're not, not together. together. <laughs> Bye. Bye. We're Not Together is produced, hosted, and edited by Zach Ogle and Haley Manrique. And our intro music and theme song is composed by Barry Anderson.